This podcast contains adult material, bad language, and spoilers. When life gets you down, your car just won't start. Agony on. It's time for Agony on. If you've reached a dead end, you're not sure what to do. Agony on. Well, Agony on is for you. At times life is grand, you've got the world in your hands. Then somehow you drop that ball. Instead of watching it fall, get agony article. Avast, ye landlubbers, and welcome aboard the Agony Art, the fastest whaling ship in these here waters. Here we record the Agony Ant podcast in which we try to solve your problems not with our own wisdom, but instead by telling ye how those problems were solved in the great art of our age. Or, failing that, just by recommending books, films, and music for you to enjoy. Call me Aaron. I'm the captain of this here vessel and a celebrated expert on literary works. And this be Liam, me first mate, a musical maestro, and me secret lover when the rest of the crew go to bed. Over there, that be Carl, the little film and TV-loving lad we picked up at the last port, who wipes our poop decks when they're all covered in spermaceti. We be sailing from Nantucket, and we stop for this gam to give ye all the advice ye need today. Say ahoy, harpooners and all! Ahoy? <laughs> Yar! Free sheets to the wind, another piratey sayings. Yeah, so <laughs> the accent I was doing, I was trying not to be was, full pirate. I was was trying, it meant to be shit? I was trying to do like Nantucket, mm. but a little bit piratey. <laughs> in the 1800s what do you think because like it, it still would be a little bit English like a little bit half American half yeah. English half pirate it was a bad accent wasn't it I have no idea whether it was good or bad have you never been to Nantucket not in the 1800s <laughs> <laughs> not recently or in the 1800s oh well never mind how was your Christmas lads it was a ding dong merrily on high festive extravaganza. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, sick. I ate all the mince pies. Oh, my days. In the world. All the mince pies. <laughs> so now it's over then. Have either of you got any New Year's resolutions? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. So have I. <laughs> so before we begin, I want to make it very clear. We are not really here to solve your real problems. All our submissions are certified. trivial and or fictional pickles and our advice should almost never be followed. We're here to have fun. So if you're having a really hard time, please check out our website for guidance on who to turn to. That's agonyartpodcast.com. So with that out of the way, let's move on to our first problem of the day. I went for a promotion at work recently. I wasn't the perfect candidate for the job, I'll admit, but I worked my arse off to become the best candidate they had pulling all-nighters and even working some weekends with no overtime pay. But even after all that hard work, I lost out to some little bastard on my team who sabotaged me by spending all his time networking and ignoring his work, and in doing so causing one of my biggest projects to miss a major deadline, making me look bad when really it was all his fault. I'm not going to air that dirty laundry in public by trying to fight my case and telling everyone it was his fault, because that would just make me look pathetic. What I'm going to do instead is bide my time and get some really petty revenge just when he least suspects it. Do you have any revenge inspiration to aid me in my quest? I'm impressed that they're self-aware enough to have 
describe it as petty revenge. <laughs> I, I didn't know people usually like plan petty revenge. I thought it was usually like, I'm going to yeah. get revenge. <laughs> and then it ends up being petty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have you two ever taken sweet, sweet revenge on anyone? I'm kind of hoping that the best revenge is living well comes to pass. I Have you got people that you need to take revenge on? Carl is a notorious grudge holder. No, no. Notorious. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, yeah. I, I I don't like people getting one over on me at all. And I try to be... We talked about pride last week a little bit. And mm. I try to be the better man. But I there was a guy just this morning. I was driving up to the bakery to get some sweet croissants <laughs> for me and my family. It's so fucking middle class. <laughs> 27 pounds croissants. <laughs> um, and a guy... I pulled out of my road... With plenty of space, I looked, and the guy was so angry, he drove up, like, tailgated me the whole way. I'm just like, so I just drove slow. I'm like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I don't like it, but yeah. I don't really go to limits to get revenge. But yeah, I'm hoping that the people that have wronged me, karma would... Um, Do you reckon the bloke who tailgated you saw you coming out of the bakers with your croissants and went, oh, he's living his best life. <laughs> Look at he's, him living he's well. He's got the best kind of revenge on me. <laughs> Wasn't the uh, driving slower form of petty revenge? It was actually, yeah. Because <laughs> so really this was. morning I got some petty revenge on someone. <laughs> You're right, Liam, yeah. I got my revenge. As you said, Carl, sometimes the best revenge is just to move on. And to illustrate that point, there really only is one classic piece of art published in 1851 but made famous by this very podcast that you need to turn to. Moby Dick or... The Whale by Herman Melville. Is that a separate title? I didn't know that. Yeah, I think... <clears throat> it become known as Moby Dick because Moby Dick's the main character. I think while he was writing it, he wanted to call it The Whale. Mm. Um, yeah, and he told his publishers it was going to be called The Whale, so they told everyone he's going to publish a book called The Whale. And then halfway through, he realised Moby Dick is actually the hero of this book, so I want to call it Moby Dick. And they were like, we've told everyone it's called The Whale now. <laughs> this is so, really, this is really embarrassing. Times. Yeah. Anyway... Since uh, we want to anonymise this person who sent in their problem, should we come up with a name name for them? It can't be Moby Dick. Ahab. <laughs> Ahab. Ishmael. In fact, no, Ahab is the one who wants uh, revenge. So, yeah, let's call him Ahab. Ahab, I've got the solution to your problem. Why is Moby Dick relevant? Ahab's like a rapper's name, isn't it? <laughs> My name's Ahab. My name's Ahab and I'm hunting a whale. I'm going to succeed. I'm not going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get the oil. It's gonna be off the scale. If I go too far, I'll be going to jail. <laughs> Good boy. Episode Good over. Thanks for joining us this week. Why is Moby Dick relevant? Let me tell you, Ahab. Told from the perspective of Ishmael, a freelance whaler, this is the story of Captain Ahab's obsessive hunt for revenge against Moby Dick a giant white sperm whale who bit off Ahab's lower leg on one of his previous voyages. Ishmael and his new friend, a Polynesian man named Queequeg, sign up for the voyage on the Pequod without knowing about Ahab's bent for revenge. And when they first see the captain on the quarterdeck, he tells the crew that he'll give the first man to sight Moby Dick a doubloon, which he nails to the mast as an incentive. Not everyone's convinced. The first mate still says he only really came for profit and you know actual whaling. What uh, is a sorry? What is a what is a doubloon? Is that it's just a gold coin? Is that like pretty good? 
Uh, I should imagine so, back yeah. in the day. I don't think it's the kind of thing you could look up on that currency converter we <laughs> used last week. It's, it's not like a quid. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you this one shiny pound. <laughs> and they all go, hmm. <laughs> I'm all right, thanks. Um, There'll be one type bastard, though. <laughs> yeah, binoculars out. <laughs> I'll find your whale. I want that pound. That pound is mine. <laughs> They're all from Somerset. <laughs> all the best pirates are. Um, he nails it to the mast. Not everyone's convinced. The first mate still says he only came for profit, not for revenge against a whale. But Ishmael, the narrator, he is. He's like, Ahab's quenchless feud seemed mine. I don't need to go into too much detail on the book, and in fact, I wouldn't have time if I wanted to in one hour podcast because what hundreds is hundreds of pages. What word did I just say? What follows is hundreds of pages of cetology, the study of whales, which on which Herman Melville spends an inordinate amount of time and of pages. And a lot of which I think is actually quite inaccurate, even by the science of his day. <laughs> but good luck to him. And nine meetings with other ships and a lot of detail on whaling theory and ships and ropes and shit. Basically more digressions than an entire series of agony art. No way. It, every one of Liam's problems put together. How is that, oh, how is that possible? <laughs> uh, there's a... There's a market for that isn't there because when I tried to read the Master and Commander book it is so intense on sailing accuracy and stuff that it's almost like if you're not into it it's really boring yeah maybe because they didn't have film and TV back in those days maybe so you immersed yourself I don't know when Master and Commander was written but this is the 1800s so they were like this book is the only thing I'm going to consume this year so I want it to be long and detailed I want it to take up a lot of my time because the rest, the rest of life is shit. Um, thousands of pages. Really? M- millions of pages. <laughs> 1969, and Commander. Oh, well, they... How many pages is? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, 384 pages in the US, 350 in the UK. Strip some of that out. <laughs> <laughs> they from Somerset as well. <laughs> Everyone is. Um... Sorry, if you don't know, it's fine. I don't know, and the Wikipedia page doesn't say, and it normally does. But anyway. But it's long, right? It's so long. It's long. Because it, it passed the Aaron test. Long. It, I would not have read it <laughs> if it wasn't for this podcast. In fact, I didn't read it, but we'll get to that. You said you have here. The point is that Ahab gets more and more revenge crazy about finding and defeating this whale until they finally find it, chase it for three days, sink some harpoons into the poor bastard's skin, and... Ahab gets what he wants, right? No. As the wounded whale swims away from the last harpoon hit, the harpoon line wraps around Ahab's neck and he's dragged out of sight, killed by his desire for revenge. We've talked about obsession a few times on Agony Art and every time we've said that it's the path to destruction. So obsession with revenge is no different, I think. And Moby Dick proves it. Mm. What do you think of that point? It sounds like a really good story. I never read Moby Dick, but two things mm. struck me about your descript- your brilliant description of it. Mm. Excellent. Number yeah. one, <laughs> do sperm whales often bite people's legs off? I'm not sure, you know, because 
I don't think there are many whales who are famous for violence, are there? There's recently, um, I re- it, it was this year, I think, someone got swallowed by a whale by accident. And survived. And they, the whale spat him back out. I didn't like yeah. him. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Not for me. But most whales, from my, they do the big come up from the low, from below and open their mouth and close it on whatever's there, right? Mm. So yes, like you, Pac-Man. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think they can. Uh, there's no way they can target a, a person. Just the leg. <laughs> yeah. This is a warning shot. It's like Ahab. it's like you eating half a raisin, mm. <laughs> <laughs> which is actually doable. Half a grain of rice. It's quite difficult, I reckon. So mm. the the other thing that occurred to me was. Um, it, it strikes me as quite a weird thing. Can you keep striking you? To, I know. You're I'm, right. just, <laughs> I'm surprised I'm still standing, to be honest. <laughs> Better than it ever did. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, it does seem a bit weird, though, doesn't it? That, um, <laughs> sure is what you're doing. Um, that, that you get that obsessed for revenge against an animal who is just presumably doing what that animal does. Uh, yeah, I just don't understand people who are like that. Yeah. <laughs> like animals do shit <laughs> you can't hate them for doing shit it's natural shit if anything we're unnatural do you not hate slugs for eating all your plants <laughs> no there's a one slug that Carl's been chasing for years it's a white slug I tell you <laughs> it bit the leg off my favourite hydranger as <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, you did <laughs> yeah it is weird but that's why Ahab is a mentalist. I I quite I actually I went so I did read it. I've read it audibly. <laughs> you, <laughs> heard it. you read it with your ears. I listened to the audiobook, which helped. Must be long. Because you could zone out every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> helped it be entertaining because I could put it on one point two times speed and every now and then zone out, come back in five minutes later and go, What the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, it helped and hindered because that is the disadvantage of audiobooks. You, you, can, you can't reread. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you can skip back, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but it was actually opinion on the book. It was less pompous and stuffy than I expected. Often these classics are like hard work, aren't they? Because it's like the language and they all take themselves very seriously. <laughs> and it's like, but it wasn't... It, and maybe because of the bloke who was reading it as well. Is it um, um, supposed to be like allegorical? Is that the word? Yeah, I think so. Because there's been a shitload of analysis on it mm. since and they all think the whale represents this. And it weren't just and... because there weren't many other books to talk about in those hundred years. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably helps. Yeah. Jane, there's Jane Austen and Moby Dick. <laughs> the only two books in existence. <laughs> there's a film called In the Heart of the Sea, directed by Ron Howard, 2015. Ron uh-huh. Howard. Ron Howard, yeah. This film was panned. But it's quite it's quite cool, actually, especially if you're thinking about Moby Dick, because it's about... Uh, it's like a prequel to Moby Dick, oh. if you like. The whale's origin story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whale's mum and dad were killed and he By runs the... into Henry Ducard under the sea. Yeah. And Henry Ducard is like, under the sea. <laughs> Do you want to join the League of Shallows? <laughs> Excellent. Well done. Thank you. That's me done. 
Um, but anyway, it's, uh, I thought it was really good. It's got a really good cast. It's uh, Chris Hemsworth, Cillian Murphy, Tom Holland, Brendan Gleeson, Ben Whishaw. Mm. Whishaw? Whishaw. Whatever. I don't know. Um, and Ben Whishaw plays Herman Melville, seeking out the story of Moby Dick. Mm. So the legend is out there. And I don't know if this is true, but the the kind of... he There's only one survivor from the Essex, which is the ship that sighted this whale. Mm. Um yeah, because that's what inspired the story, isn't it? A true life story yeah. of someone. So, so it does have some truth to it then. Um, but he's kind of obsessed about writing the book about Moby Dick. It's really kind of mm. um, parallel so, with Ahab. So did Herman Moby... Melville get his leg bitten off by a whale? No. Oh. It wasn't a whale. He got his leg bitten off by the book. So he had to, <laughs> he had to write it yeah. to get it out of his system. Yeah, so the book was his whale. Was his white whale? Yeah, that's what it feels like from oh. the film, yeah. Because he's desperate. There's only one survivor left. So I won't talk about it because... Well, I'll give you a little... The whale bit his mouth off. <laughs> <laughs> the whale was like, What good is a phone call if you're unable to speak? <laughs> What's that from, Liam? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... The Essex set sail to get some oil from Wales. Whaling, they call it, in the industry. Oh, oh not <laughs> from the country. country? Yeah. <laughs> so weird, isn't it? Just get some Welsh oil. <laughs> yeah. I know what you're talking about, like the animal whales, but yeah. still I heard it as the country. <laughs> oh, they're going off to get some, some from Wales. Okay. <laughs> so I'll just, just to jump ahead, at the end of the film, there's a line to say, um, have you heard the news? You can get oil from the ground. Right, and I don't know if it's true that they just thought the only place to get oil is in a whale's stomach and how the fuck they found it poor whales I know that is what else pisses me off about people and animals Mm. like just cutting them up to for no reason really yeah Yeah. for let's see what we can get from this living creature to light your light your lamp (laughs) motherfuckers Um, honestly so yeah so obviously in Nantucket massive whaling community they go to get oil from the stomach of whales Um, so that's what they're going out to do Um, they've got a target of how many barrels of oil to get strange that it's kept in barrels in the whale's stomach oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) They have early success. They find a bull sperm whale, but then they don't find any more for months. And what this film really hits home, uh, Chris Hemsworth, who's um, the first mate, he wants to be captain, but he's the first mate in this. He's also an actor, isn't he? He's an actor, yeah. He leaves his like newborn child to go on this. It's going to be months. They know it's going to be months. And it's like, I've got to go and do this, get money. Mm. And the, the, his wife is like, we're pretty fucked while you're gone because we've got no money. So mm. like, it's really, uh, going to sea to earn money is like, pretty yeah. hardcore living. I think um, it was very profitable mm, yeah. whaling so you made a lot of money from it so. but when they're not when it's not a successful voyage it makes mm. it pushes them to the limits more and more yeah. so they leave the Atlantic Ocean to go to the Pacific Ocean like already they're going to be if it's successful they're away for months if it's not they're away for years mm. and they hear a rumour that there's 2,000 sperm whales chillaxing in this place in the Pacific <laughs> waiting for their oil to be stricken. We found a sperm whale nightclub. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And these poor sperm whales are just sitting around waiting for their oil to be yeah, extracted. Yeah. So they go searching for that, but it's just a myth. And then that's when a huge sperm whale attacks their ship and destroys it. And Did that sperm whale spread the rumour to kill them? Lured <laughs> yeah. them in, yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's white because it's covered in scars. Because it's so big, it's not been able to be hunted properly. Mm. So it's covered in scars. And it destroys the ship. 
Um, they get away, or some of the crew get away in three small whaling boats. They got limited supplies. The the whale kind of follows them. So then there's a conversation we need to have about like what is Moby Dick's? Does he want? Does he? Ahab seems to think that Moby Dick wants to kill him as well, doesn't he? Mm. And so like, and in this it suggests that the whale did follow them and attack them as they mm. escaped. And then there's a really stupid Ron Howardy bit where uh, Chris Hemsworth or Chase, his name is in it. Has the opportunity to kill the whale, but it looks him in the eye and decides not to. And the whale so, swims away peacefully. No, <laughs> coolly, I like Thor. <laughs> I didn't think love and thunder was as bad as they said. <laughs> so he doesn't kill him. Um, he swims away happily, and you know he get he goes home and he's got fuck all basically. Mm. And he's told to cover up the story because other people won't go whaling if there's a monstrous whale out there. But he tells the truth and it ruins his career. It does actually ruin his career. That's the complete opposite. He becomes a merchant <laughs> captain and it's all okay. It's all oh, I thought you were going to say he joins the Marvel <laughs> the MCU <laughs> yeah. and yeah, he, like, he's more successful than ever. Kevin Feige took a punt on him. <laughs> you say it differently every time. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Um, um, so so yeah. is, it, is it a good film? I liked it. I must say, I yeah. liked it. And with but it got your, panned by critics. Yeah, with your knowledge of Moby Dick, you probably would enjoy the kind of backstory. Were the critics whales? Yeah, they really <laughs> they were rooting for Moby Dick the whole time. <laughs> well, it wasn't. His name's not Moby Dick, obviously. It's just a whale. But yeah, so it's kind of like it seems like writing this story for Herman is the be all and end all of his life. Like it's an obsession as well, which is quite mm. interesting. I thought. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I think I will watch it. But no, I haven't read Moby Dick. Yeah. Have you read it, Liam? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, the only thing I thought I knew about it was that Jonah from the Beano was based on Ahab, but he's not. So. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I thought I knew was irrelevant. <laughs> Whoa there, Rudolph. What have we here? It's Christmas time at Agony Yard. They are full of festive cheer. There's tinsel trees, some fresh mince pies, and a keg of German beer. The hosts can't wait till Christmas Day, but for them there'll be a twist. For I have heard their crude podcast, and they're on the naughty list. So, who wants to do a little pop quiz, asshole? Me, 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 me. Well, tough, Liam. <laughs> This pop quiz is called Moby Dick or Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> I'm going to give you some quotes and you tell me whether they're from Moby Dick, the book by Herman Melville. Oh, not the whale saying it. <laughs> well, there might be the whale saying it. It might be dialogue with the whale in the book. Okay, right. But it's going or, to say it as if a human said it. <laughs> or Dick Van Dyke. So who said this? We should never judge a day by its weather. I reckon that's Moby Dick. Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke. Yes. Oh. One point to Carl. Better to sleep with a sober cannibal than a drunk Christian. Moby Dick. Moby Dick. Moby Dick. One point each. There are tribes all over the world who sing and dance every day as part of their lives. And we ought to do that. Dick Van Dyke. Moby Dick. Oh, it was Dick Van Dyke. Ah, what's all that tribes for? Careful, Dick. (laughs) Careful, Dick. (laughs) I try all things. I achieve what I can. Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke. Moby Dick. Oh, <laughs> who said that? Huh? Who said that? Ishmael. It was Moby Dick. 
Oh. <laughs> he was talking about biting people's legs off. <laughs> Tried it once. Didn't really like it. They trained. He's never let it go. Off once. Uh, I've got plenty of arthritis, but if you keep moving, it won't bother you that much. That's why old guys stiffen up. They forget they have to get out of their chairs and do something. You let the moss grow over, it's your own fault. That's Dick Van Dyke. Maybe Dick. Carl gets the point. Oh. Dick Van Dyke. He's always dancing around, isn't he? <laughs> he is <laughs> dancing around. Him. And the final one. The weaver god he weaves, and by that weaving is deafened, that he hears no mortal voice. And by that humming, we too who look on the loom are deafened. Only when we escape it shall we hear the thousand voices that speak through it. Dick Van Dyke. Moby Dick. It's Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> Not really, it was Moby Dick. <laughs> you, um, you alternated every single question there. I was trying to gameplay and... Oh shit, yeah, I did. And, and guess mistake. not an alternating answer, but it never came. <laughs> you actually drawed. Oh, <laughs> we drawed. <laughs> you drew I'm in good that at quiz. Drawing. <laughs> Three each. Three points each. So Ahab would have foreseen his fate if he had only been less obsessed with revenge and more attentive to his surroundings. As I said earlier, they on their trip during the um on their voyage during the book they meet nine other ships on their voyage that's called a gam lads i'm teaching you what's called a gam when you meet another ship on your voyage oh. and you stop for a little chat they had nine gams on a whaling yep they did um did they parlay or do you only do that with enemies i think that's only when you're a pirate right. <laughs> <laughs> um, i invoked the right of parlay <laughs> so some of the whaling ships talking of pirates i think they used to paint um like gun holes on the side of their ships so that from a distance it looked like they were a armed ship and it would scare off pirates knowing that people did that i wonder how effective it actually was because surely the pirates would be like yeah i can see that's painted so. <laughs> um it's, it's 2d <laughs> maybe by doing that they're so ballsy like well they're you know they're trying it on so let's not go and attack them. yeah maybe yeah <laughs> if they'll do that what else will they do <laughs> they, might, they might paint us <laughs> they might drown us in paint <laughs> yeah so they meet nine other ships and as they meet them they realise that each one is more and more damaged by Moby Dick they've all had encounters with Moby Dick I don't think they've all having had encounters I think some of them they meet up with and they're like no I ain't seen him <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you're as we said about the pirates, if the whale is causing more and more damage each time to those boats, what's he going to do to you? Mm. I think we lose sight when we're bent on revenge of the sensible warnings and of the collateral damage that we're causing when we're so focused on that vengeance. Ahab seemed to think it was... Um, I'm talking from the film perspective, which I think is quite a good like scene for scene. Well, obviously not, but mm. it's quite true to the... Book, Which film is this? Because there have been a few. There are a few. This is 1956, uh, mm. starring Gregory Peck, directed by John Huston. I've watched it. Um, but yeah, Ahab seems to think it's his like, destiny to kill Moby Dick, doesn't he? Which carries mm. him, like, it doesn't matter what damage he causes, he's going to kill him because that's what he's born to do, kind of thing, right? Yeah. you got to have a hobby, I suppose, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, most reviewers in Britain liked it, except that some content was cut so well there was an epilogue that was cut in which spoilers 
it seems like everyone on the ship has died, but Ishmael, the narrator, has survived. And that's how he got to write the book, how he lived to write the book. But that was cut in the British version. So a lot of the reviewers were like, the narrator couldn't possibly have survived the story. So it's ridiculous. (laughs) However, in America, where that content wasn't cut, they liked it a lot less than British reviewers, even though it made more sense. (laughs) He never would have survived that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that's possibly because the USA was much younger than Britain at that time, 1850. They didn't have have a reserve of pompous, highbrow critics yet to, you know... (laughs) We're going to say they didn't have whales. (laughs) (laughs) They wanted more edgy content because they were younger. Yeah. Yeah, I want to watch Big Daddy, like last week. (laughs) Um, So, since I mentioned cut content from the British edition, another guessing game. It wasn't only the epilogue that faced the chop. Do you want to guess what other kind of content might have been cut from the British version? Sex. Yes. Number two on the list is sexual matters, including the sex life of whales. And (laughs) even Ishmael's worried anticipation of the nature of Queequeg's underwear. Ooh. Ooh, (laughs) Naughty. Um, Were there some... uh, Religious stuff that got cut. Yes. Sacrilegious passages. More than 1,200 words were cut because of that. Attributing human failures to God was grounds for exclusion. Um, That's quite impressive. I can't think of 1,200 sacrilegious words. (laughs) I don't think they were 1,200 distinct words. (laughs) I think it was just... It might have been God 1,200 times. Um, And also comparing human shortcomings to divine shortcomings. Um, For example, in chapter 28, Ahab stands with a crucifixion in his face, which was revised to an apparently eternal anguish. (laughs) Because you can't mention crucifixes. Uh, Cannibalism. No, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Is that in the book? Because it's in... in... There's a lot of mention of cannibalism. Mm. That's... So I said... I'll come back to your guess. (laughs) I said earlier that it's a lot less pompous and old-timey and a lot more enjoyable than I thought it would be. It is still outdated, racially insensitive, all of the stuff that you would expect from people in those days. And this Queequeg, I'm doing this from memory, I haven't written this down, but I think, I'm not sure if he was a cannibal. I think the bloke, the Ishmael, the narrator, kind of just assumes that because Mm. he's foreign. In the 1956 film where Ishmael... Gets, he gets a room at an inn and he's sharing with Queequeg and he's like gets into bed with Queequeg and he scares the shit out of him yeah just because he's like a tattooed man basically yeah, yeah. exactly yeah um, he thinks he's like a demon or something <laughs> swearing no and in fact I don't think you're going to get this last one um, remarks belittling royalty or implying a criticism of the British oh yeah which meant the exclusion exclusion of the complete chapter 5 which is a postscript on the use of sperm oil at coronations. <laughs> yeah, well, I bet you could have done about that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. A lot of this stuff, like I was like zoning out, zoning back in, and he's still talking about the same thing. And I was like, I swear I zoned out for 20 minutes there. <laughs> and you're still talking about like the theory of whaling. And I was like, I think a lot of this content could have been cut really. <laughs> But as I say, they've spent hundreds of years since saying, this is fucking amazing. It's the best thing that's ever been written. So some people loved that. 
Can you imagine like trends back then? Everyone just knows about whaling. <laughs> because, what? Because they'd all read it. Yeah. Like Hashtag how whaling. like yeah. how we all know about Squid Game. Yeah. Oh, have you read Moby Bit Moby Dick yet? You have to. <laughs> we can't talk about whaling yet. <laughs> Spoilers, we've we've got to talk about whaling. You haven't seen it yet. Yeah, but it was all wildly inaccurate, wasn't it? So they were like just talking about things no, that I weren't the, true. I think the whaling bit was accurate. Oh, the okay. theory no, the science about whales was inaccurate. Uh, yeah, so talking of that, like um being stuffy, being accessible, stuff like that. I said earlier that it was less stuffy and more accessible than I thought it would be, but that doesn't mean it wasn't stuffy or inaccessible at all. It certainly wouldn't have been an easy read if I had read it rather than listened to it on audiobook. There's a film called, um, sorry to digress, called uh, Warrior with Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton. Warrior? Mm. Warrior. I'd say Warrior, I'll get, what? what's the problem? <laughs> what's your problem? <laughs> Do you want to say it right? I say Warrior. Is Warrior? It? Yeah, like war- warrior or whatever. <laughs> Why can't you just say warrior? Warrior. There you go. Warrior. <laughs> um, Sorry, Carl. I didn't that, mean to laugh at you. <laughs> something in the in, the, in Bugs Life. Yeah. They say warrior, warrior. Yeah, that's the American way, isn't it? I've and I'm like, say they're not lawyers. <laughs> they're warriors. Warrior. 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 There's a film called Warrior. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Story Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton yeah. and Nick Nolte. Um, it's about MMA. These two brothers end up fighting in a tournament to win a big cash prize. It's a really, 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 really good film. Mm. Um, but Nick Nolte, and he's a recovering alcoholic, and in like they, ha- he's the dad, and they both hate him for various reasons. Um, but he listens to the audiobook of Moby Dick oh, as like mm. a therapy kind of thing. <laughs> like he's, it's like his crutch. And when he gets driven to drink, he um, vows never to do it again for, for 21, 21 years. years. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, Tom Hardy goes into his hotel room and he's got like bottles everywhere and he's really had a mad session and he's listening to his story story tape, like his Moby Dick, and he's going, he's just shouting, Ahab, you godless son of a bitch, we're lost. <laughs> and it's, it's a really sad scene actually. But I, I, I was wondering whether you think you can see any reason why... A recovering alcoholic would listen to Moby Dick. <laughs> uh, not Moby Dick in particular, but I do find audiobooks relaxing, and that is why I do zone out yeah. more. Yeah, so it helped and hindered that I listened to it on audiobook, but I definitely couldn't have read it. I wouldn't have made it through because it's just not accessible enough. It's too stuffy. I'd be like, fucking hell, this is boring. Whereas intellectual people are like, this isn't boring, it's so good. Like what's the, and, uh, it's like a Ulysses, isn't it? That you said? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And just like Ulysses, it's had scholars arguing over its meaning and the style and the hidden layers for centuries. So if you look beyond the surface of the story, there's certainly a level there that's completely inaccessible to the average reader. Something that's way too clever. Whether... What about the below average reader? <laughs> exactly. Like me. What about people um... who can't read? <laughs> yeah. Carl, that's why Carl had to watch the film. <laughs> um, but this is quite a common thing, isn't it? Art that thinks too much of itself and wants to be too clever and highbrow. Or maybe it achieves it, but the average person can't appreciate that. So... It ends up just being annoying for the average consumer. What are your thoughts on the issue of accessibility in art? Like, there's a film called Magnolia with Tom Cruise. It's a, it's a kind of a what's the word where it's uh, lots of different people in it, something cast ensemble ensemble cast, yeah. Mm. And 
you're not really following what's going on, and you think it's all going to come together, and then it rains frogs. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I don't like your numbers. I'm out. <laughs> For me, it's the I don't frogs. Like your frogs. <laughs> I don't like your fucking frogs. <laughs> and I just think it's so fucking pretentious. Like, yeah. People love it. Like, I think it's meant to be a great film, but I just couldn't get up. Just Yeah, do you think sometimes people... I think we discussed this when we discussed Ulysses, didn't we? Sometimes people don't want to look like they didn't get it. So yeah. they're like... Oh, oh that frogs. was so clever, yeah, wasn't it? Fucking hell. Guys. The best thing about that film is actually Tom Cruise is a motivational speaker and he goes, respect the cuck. And it's all about <laughs> That's the your life motto now. Yeah, and I just <laughs> will always respect the cock. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't really know. <laughs> it's a bit like, the remember the, we, we listened, I'm doing inverted commas, to silence in music. GCSE, mm. which is a number of minutes of it's, silence. Um, it's four, four minutes 33 is what it's called. Oh, yeah. By John um, Cage. Mm. And it's four minutes 33 of silence. And the, and the the piece, like what you're actually listening to, because you can go and see it live, and they have a score <laughs> and everything, and they turn pages and stuff like that. And like the idea is like... <laughs> you are taking the piece. People coming out of the performance going, did you hear that they got it wrong? <laughs> At four minutes 11. <laughs> but the whole idea of it is that you're... It's different every time because what you're actually listening to is the environment that you're in. Yeah. I read another one called Umbrella, I think. It was Ella. <laughs> Rihanna. <laughs> yeah, by Rihanna. Uh, no, by Will Self. Everyone's heard I of know Will him. Self. Yeah. Um, He's a guy. <laughs> which is like a, a stream of consciousness novel. And I think the main character's got dementia. I read it a long time ago. It took me ages because it was such a slog. Stream of consciousness novels. Yeah. It's just a bad idea, isn't yeah. it? No, like, why? And they're just written by people who are very pleased with themselves, <laughs> read by people who are very pleased with themselves for getting it. And again, sometimes I think they're just getting it so that they're not uncool among their friends who did get it or whatever. Or it's just a load of people sitting in a circle wanking over the fact that they got <laughs> it when none of them actually got it. <laughs> um, My film version of that is a Birdman don't know Mike and Keaton Oh, film. but I liked Birdman. I just did not. I thought it was pretentious <laughs> crap. Part of it was the score, I thought. I don't know if you've seen it. Is it, is it like... Oh, for fuck's sake. Is it like Batman? Huh? Is it like Batman? Yeah, no. but he's a bird. <laughs> <laughs> the score is just such, like, annoying drumming constantly. Oh, mm. I remember you talking about this. Fuck yeah. me, yeah. <laughs> that was inaccessible for me because I, want, I wanted to access... <laughs> I wanted to access it. I wanted to access a tall building to jump off when I watched it. Since, since we're on the subject of annoying drumming, I've, it might be an opportune moment to mention Led Zeppelin's composition "Moby oh. Dick." Um, Moby Dick. Do you, do you know? Do you know? It's it? got us back on topic. <laughs> uh, no, it is uh, instrumental. I'm I'm sure it's been used on like a few different things, like on radio, maybe adverts, stuff like that. Um, it's the one that goes. I've started too low. You can't even hear half the notes. No. Let's try an octave higher. Blanksy blank, blanksy blank. It's ringing a bell. I'll stop there. I think we're going beyond fair use anyway. It goes on like that. And like I said, it's an instrumental piece and it contains a drum solo in it of varying length and this is why i said talking about annoying drumming no offense to john bonham great drummer but when he's drumming for 20 minutes at a time yeah. it's a bit much 
And um, does anyone enjoy that at all? Well, apart from drummers, this is this was going to be my question to you. Like, how long? What do you think is too long for a drum solo? <laughs> <laughs> I think those things make a good soundbite, don't they? Like, you can say to someone, "I oh, did a twenty-minute drum solo. It was amazing." But to actually live through that 20 minutes. <laughs> it's worth it for telling people about it afterwards. <laughs> a, it, it might be a spectacle, like in the film Whiplash. Have you seen that? No, but I really want to. Fantastic. Yeah, people Miles love Teller. it. You love Miles Teller, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> so, I do. Don't you? Don't you? J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Um, she wrote Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of a thriller about drumming. <laughs> oh, no, it sounds mental but it really is have you seen those symbols <laughs> but he has to play a, a, a piece called Caravan which has a mental drum solo it's really fast and when he plays it like you see you see his POV and it looks crazy but then when you see him doing it to the audience he's moving like freakishly fast it doesn't look possible so if it's a spectacle like that well like, wow this guy can really drum mm. then maybe it's okay but the noise not for me no. <laughs> yeah and I watched uh, I watched one on YouTube yesterday uh, of I'm sure there's quite a few different recordings of it but the one I watched in the one I watched the drum solo was 13 minutes long did you watch the whole thing? yeah I watched the whole thing what was the best part of it? about well about 7 minutes in Everyone starts clapping. I think they thought it was over. And then he just carries on. <laughs> that was quite good. They're like, thank um, God. Oh. But that thing you said about just now, where you're like, oh, when it's like insanely fast, really impressive. As he gets towards the end, he does this bit where, I mean, really, rhythmically, it's just over and over again. But he's like hitting all these different drums and he, you know, his hands are a blur. And it's, it is pretty impressive. Yeah, like drumming is incredibly impressive. And um We've gone full circle. We love it. We love, we love drum solos. And I wish more people would do 20-minute drum solos. <laughs> Next problem. <laughs> Apparently, um, the reason they called it Moby Dick, because before that it was called, I think it was called Pat's Delight or something like that. And Pat was the name of John Bonham's wife. Postman Pat. Postman Pat. <laughs> it was about Postman Pat originally. <laughs> um, but they, they changed the name to Moby Dick because apparently, um, according to his wife Pat, their son described it as big, like Moby. <laughs> <laughs> as in Moby the musician like, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> back before he was born <laughs> well speaking of Moby the musician is Herman Melville's great 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 grand nephew really yeah that's why it's called Moby allegedly oh he could be stomped by Obi is that not, a... <laughs> I'm not... Obi Trice is Moby's <laughs> white whale <laughs> I'm not saying it's not true it might be true but I couldn't find any any evidence of it? That any of his DNA to test? <laughs> yeah. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't find any report of it that wasn't Moby says that he oh, is. Oh, so Moby <laughs> might be a dickhead. <laughs> I had a dream. It was a curious thing. A wonderful podcast presenters problem solved for me. They helped me with my miserable life. I had a fresh new start. But alas, when I awoke, all I could find was agony on. So obviously you've already started this, Liam. The adaptations, cultural references, all the kind of art that's spawned from Moby Dick. You started that with Led Zeppelin. But before we move on to the bulk of that, do you want to do another pop oh, quiz, asshole? Yeah. Oh, yes, please. I love the number of pop quizzes today. I thought I'd fill out the whale-sized episode with some whale-sized pop quizzes. 
This one's called Country or Mammal. Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to read you out some quotes that famous people have made about either Wales the country or Wales the animal. <laughs> and you've got to guess which was which. Uh, so the first one is, they're big, wet, slippery, and they make amazing noises. What's not to love about them? I'm going to take a guess and say Wales the animal. I reckon mammal. it's the country. Sorry. It's the country. That's Anthony Hopkins talking about the residents of his hometown, Port Talbot in Wales. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was fully expecting to be wrong there. <laughs> Actually, nowhere near as wet as I expected. I was disappointed by how dry it always was, to be honest. I'm sticking with Whale the Mammal. Uh, yeah, Whale, whale the Mammal. Neither of you get the point. That's the country. Ah. Michael Fish, former BBC weatherman, describing his first visit to Wales. <laughs> I'm just so glad I'm out, to be honest. It was just the most career-limiting place I've ever been. I'm much happier with my prospects now I'm in London. Well, the mammal. Wales the country. You're absolutely right, Carl. <laughs> Wales the mammal. It was Ceres Matthews describing the time that she and her band Catatonia were swallowed by a whale while touring their album International Velvet in 1998. Fuck off. Yeah, none of those quotes were real. I made them all up. Oh. <laughs> I would love Catatonia to be swallowed by a whale, though. <laughs> I just thought that would make a fun, stupid game. That was a good game. Who won? <laughs> uh, it was one all, actually, because you both got one wrong as well. <laughs> So adaptations, there have been shitloads of adaptations of Moby Dick. Any yeah. notable ones? Well, the film I mentioned, 1956 film, would be the definitive film to watch if you were going to watch it, I think. Uh, Greg, Gregory Peck? Yeah, Gregory Peck. He's uh, very good in it. And he makes Ahab like a real larger-than-life character. Like, he's not he revealed. plays Ahab, does yeah. he? Who plays Ishmael, do you know? Mm, no one famous? No, no one famous yeah. particularly. But you don't see Ahab for such a long time. I don't know if in the book he's revealed like quite far in. Yeah, I don't remember. But they talk about him like, mm. and they big up with like, and in the film he's covered in like, whalebone, like his legs whalebone. Uh, yeah, he's I got, think he's yeah, got, he's got loads of whalebone accessories. <laughs> <laughs> it's so in right now. <laughs> yeah. He does the doubloon thing, but um, yeah, he plays. Uh, I think the problem with some adaptions that I've seen or read about are that you either make the whale a monster and it's like a monster film, mm. or it's about character and revenge and stuff and they're the better ones that's what 1956 does i think so you sent us videos in our whatsapp mm. about a, about 2010's moby dick straight to dvd yeah. Yeah. was that an actual moby dick adaptation yeah it's called oh, moby right. dick yeah it's fucking <laughs> dreadful um it was yeah. like a b movie yeah 500 grand uh budget which i could have done more with i think i know i don't <laughs> think they could have spent that much. They drank most of it away, didn't they? And then made the film. Yeah. The whale just looked like... It was just like thrashing about. It didn't look like a whale at all. But um, I'll just... Uh, just to... That one transferred the story to present day. And it's the USS Essex. And I'll just tell you that. I'm going to spoil the ending for you. Are you right with that? Uh, yeah, I wasn't yeah, planning to watch it. Um, Moby Dick dodges the nukes they fire at it. <laughs> and they hit the island that they've been marooned on. And there's two soldiers on the island. They just they basically like hold hands, and be like, "Let's just enjoy our death together." <laughs> Some woman, this woman, runs away. They go, "You can't outrun a nuke." And she's like, "Watch me try." 
and then the island just completely explodes. Like, there's just explosions on screen. And this isn't your favourite adaptation. <laughs> it sounds like it was the most faithful to the book. <laughs> and so the, the island is completely destroyed, but the lady jumped into the water and survived it because she stayed underwater. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's fucking dreadful. But yeah. go and watch it. <laughs> go and watch it. But yeah, but the 1956 one's the one to watch. If you can't be bothered to read or listen, you'll get the gist by watching that film, I think. Um, do you know what the tagline was? Um, Come for the Moby, stay for the dick. <laughs> I don't understand it, because this is 1956. Before the shark, there was the whale. 1956. So it's before Jaws. Yeah. Way before Jaws. I don't understand. No idea. No. (laughs) Maybe it's because, you know, people are more scared of sharks than they are of any other sea creature. So it's like, before that, whales were a menace. (laughs) Technically, aren't sharks prehistoric? Yeah. They've probably been around longer than whales, I'd say. The country. Yeah. Whales. Catatonia. Fish predate mammals, don't they? Yeah, 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 mm. yeah, yeah. Glad we cleared that. Oh out. yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Science, bitch. <laughs> uh, so well, there's, there's another. One... <laughs> I was going to say there's one musical adaptation that I'm aware of. Is there? Uh, not, not a musical theatre, or sort of. It's um, a chap named Bernard Herman. You have to have Herman in your name to do anything. That's <laughs> <laughs> the rule. Um, he wrote a cantata based on as an adaptation. <laughs> Based on Moby Dick, an adaptation. Um, um, what's a cantata? Because I only know... Acuna cantata. Yeah, and the song that cantata did with Rob, Rob Thomas, Smooth. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, interesting question. I do not know the answer. <laughs> so, the reason why this has never been on my radar is because a cantata is very similar to an opera. And I tried to find out what the difference was between a cantata and an opera. And... I think it's subjective. I might be uh. wrong, but it seems like cantatas are played in smaller venues to less people and have smaller casts and operas are bigger. Well, since you mentioned Jaws, Carl, hmm. the author of Jaws, the book, Peter Benchley... Did that come out pre-1956? It came out in 1975. He lived on Nantucket. Captain Quint is apparently an... I don't know why I say apparently... We've all seen Jaws. Have we all seen Jaws? Yeah. We it was a book how before it was, the, it was a film. We spoke about how it was the first box office oh, summer blockbuster. Do you remember? Ah, first um, underdog story. Yeah. The shark was <laughs> yeah. the underdog and he has the training montage. <laughs> 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 We're going to need a bigger boat. He's an Ahab-like character who's obsessed with killing the shark. Benchley, Peter Benchley, later became an advocate for marine conservation because he regretted so much writing such sensationalist literature about sharks apparently Mm. which is what we said earlier about caring for animals i actually don't like stories about i think video games there should be more video games that punish you for killing animals Mm. because quite often animals are used as a way to like craft resources Mm. oh i need some buckskin or whatever i'll go out and kill some and Yes, that's the way the world works, but I f- feel sorry for virtual animals. Do we need, yeah, do we need to? Do we need to be killing it? more virtual animals? No. no. But there's one more adaptation I'd like to talk about: Emoji Dick. Oh, really? <laughs> is that Someone is that has... just an aubergine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone has in- adapted the entire novel into emojis, 
Now, I'm going to show you. I'm going to put this in the episode notes, or rather a link to the article about this. You can look at it yourselves at home, but I'm going to show you two right now the first sentence and how they've ad adapted it and see if you can tell me how shit that is. Does that look like call me Ishmael to you? So very oh, famously, very famously, the first line of Moby Dick is call me Ishmael. As per Matilda, call me Ishmael. Yeah? You've not seen that? Oh, you've seen Matilda. Yeah, but I don't remember that. She says that. I just remember. Omelette. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's not even a male there. Like, the letter. Exactly. Like, it's awful. Yeah. Call Someone has wasted a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. It's got like telephone man, boat, whale. Like, what have boats and whales got to okay. do with that sentence? <laughs> it sounds like it's actually the entire book in those, just those emojis. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think they've done a shit job, but they spent a lot of time on it. So. Why don't you do better? I will. Have they, have they gone a bit too far? They're like, Ishmael, that's associated with Moby Dick, so let's use Moby Dick to represent Ishmael. <laughs> yeah. They could just have... It's like a circular the reference, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. But there's also been a lot of references in popular culture. Do you want to speak about some? I think we thought we invented... I don't know, actually, I don't know when this episode aired, but we thought we invented the whole Moby Dickhead motif. <gasps> but Family Guy kind of went there before us, I think. Really? Yeah, so... Um, there's a bit where they portray Moby Dick as a rude visitor and he's sitting at their table, you know, his little little tail on the chair, mm. his big body above the table. And he says, do you have any reason, Brian? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I do remember that, actually. And he goes, uh, no, we've, um, you know, we've got Brian and we've got raisins. You can make your own raisin, Brian. That's actually a really good Peter. Why have you never done your Peter Griffin impression before? <laughs> 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 and then he says, well, it's not really raisin, Brian, is it, if I'm making myself? Can you go and get some? He goes, yeah. When when's your flight? <laughs> so uh, yeah, do they call him a Moby Dickhead though? They don't. No, oh, well, that's so right. yeah, we've we've got that sewn up. Yeah. But he is being a Moby Dick. There is a case if they sue us. There is a case. <laughs> um, and obviously, obviously, the Simpsons mentioned Moby. Dick. Simpsons did it. Simpsons obviously. did it. <laughs> you can't take revenge on animals. That's the point of Moby Dick. Homer, Lisa, the point of Moby Dick is to be yourself. <laughs> <laughs> And there's another bit where um, Bart's looking in a, a bookshop for dummies. Everything's for dummies. And there's Moby Dick for dummies. And he just says, <laughs> call me Ishmael, dummy. <laughs> there's one uh, There's one more song that um, is a bit of a talking point because I don't really understand the reference. And I'm hoping you could help me out. Oh, yeah. So um, do you remember Get Cape, Wear Cape, Fly? Naughty's artist. Yes. Uh, no. Alternative chap. No. Real name, Sam Duckworth, which oh, I yeah. think is pretty funny for some Rita's. reason. Rita's... Son or is yeah, from uh, from Corey, yeah, that's where he started. <laughs> <laughs> Was it Rita Duckworth or Vera Duckworth? Vera Duckworth. Oh. Jack, Jack Rita. and Vera. Uh. Rita Sullivan. Oh. So, um, <laughs> thanks, Carl. Coronation Street expert. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> TV and movies. So Jack and Vera's son, Sam Duckworth. He released his first single in 2006. This was his first single. I didn't know that when I looked it up. It was a double A side. One side was I Spy, and the other side was a song called Call Me Ishmael. Yeah. And um, and it goes, You can be my bodyguard. I can be your long lost whale. Whale. <laughs> Baby, when you call me, you can call me Ishmael. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Like I said, I'm not sure if it's relevant at all. Uh, but I really like it. I really liked his first album. Here's here's a couple of lines from it that seem like they might be vaguely relevant. It goes, Why do we look to the tide when we find that our minds are getting stale? Why does it bag me this place on the waves? 
And are we looking for meaning from demeaning and soul-destroying tasks we do all the time on the shore? So there's that part, and then there's... So call me Ishmael, we are all striving for the thing that makes this grind worth surviving. Be that our white whale, or the one little moment where our dreams still feel alive. So my question to you is, is that relevant to Moby Dick at all, or is it just a load of bollocks? Uh, well, I suppose it's relevant, because he's saying, you know, we're trying to find something to strive for, which, you know, Ahab was striving to fucking <laughs> dick that whale. <laughs> or dick or that whale. Dick that Moby. <laughs> but, I don't know, it might have been, they might have been direct quotes from the book. They sound quite literary, ah, don't they? I don't know. Could have been, yeah. Ba, ba, There's one... Ba, ba. <laughs> there is one more reference that I want to talk about before I ask you an important question. Mm. And that's Metal Gear Solid Five. Now, you all know I'm a big Metal Gear Solid fan, and I've replayed them all during COVID. Uh-huh. <laughs> huh? What's that reference? <laughs> <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Five. have you played it? Open world yeah. game on I PS4. Played, I never completed it, but I did play it. Um, Could you complete it? Yeah. Not technically, because he never finished it, because he had a falling out with Konami, and they just released it without him finishing it. Oh, my God. But the third act that was left out, I've watched... The half made, they've like found, found it in the game files and there's half the cutscenes are made and half of them are just them. Um, For any other series, that would be like dev, like just shit, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. But Metal Gear's got such a fan base of like, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll take anything you give us, thanks. <laughs> yeah. They have found like artwork and stuff and it looked dog shit. It looked like, I mean, by Metal Gear Solid 5, by Metal Gear Solid 4, it was nonsense. And <laughs> people think like Kojima, Hideo Kojima, who makes them, is this genius auteur bloke. I think he's a bit too high off his own supply. <laughs> he likes himself a bit too much. He's like, yeah, I'm right. I'm crafting excellent stories here. And when you actually delve into the stories, they're so full of contradictions and like retconning. Each iteration changes the story a bit and so convoluted and you think nah this is dog shit actually <laughs> once I get below the surface of this story it's actually a dog shit story but Metal Gear Solid 1, 2 and 3 were excellent excellent you could, games you can take 3 as a standalone game and it is amazing yeah. you don't need to have played yeah. the others at all no anyway Metal Gear Solid 5 in the intro you wake up in hospital David Bowie the man who sold the world is playing oh, okay. on a cassette player it's brilliant it's the 80s and to be fair it is a fun game and it's all of them are fun games. But you wake up in the hospital. Someone comes in trying to murder you. They set the ho hospital alight. Spoilers. This is all in the first 10 minutes. Someone who, with a bandaged up face comes and says, voiced by Kiefer Sutherland, you can call me Ishmael. <laughs> <laughs> and he just guides you out of the hospital. That's not the end of the reference though. And there's a bloke in the hospital who can absorb bullets and shoot them out again out of his body a bit like the mask <laughs> yeah. um, and he's like a ball of fire and he chases you out of the hospital and as you're riding away on a horse you look back and a giant flaming whale comes out of the hospital and into the horizon behind you that is the last reference I wanted to talk about I just had to <laughs> Squeeze in that Metal Gear Solid 5 reference. Right, yeah. So Ahab was kind of lost in the Moby Dick chat and we've spent a lot of time talking about Moby Dick. Maybe we can help Ahab a bit more who wrote in with this problem saying he wants revenge. The big, the lesson you should take from Moby Dick, Ahab, is that revenge is not a good idea. You'll become obsessed with it. All it does in the end is end up eating away at you until your life is not worth living anymore. So just move on 
live your best life. That's the lesson from Moby Dick. Were there any other big revenge stories that you guys wanted to mention? My favourite one was uh, about Scottish dance group The Shaman. Do you remember them? Do you remember Ebenezer Good? He's good. He's good. good. He's Ebenezer Good. (laughs) Exactly. Did you know that they're not saying he's a good? They're saying he's are good. As in ecstasy. Oh, oh they actually. It's a bit like, do you remember Britney Spears? If you see Kami, love me, hate me, say what you want about me, but all of the boys and all of the gir- girls are begging to, if you see Kami. F U C K me. Remember that song? Yeah. Don't remember it. They wanted to leave their record label One Little Indian, but they were uh, they were contracted. This this must be a common problem. They were contracted to record one more album, and they really mm. didn't want to do it, but they couldn't get out of it. The head of their label was a bloke called Derek Burkett. And he was really on their case about it. And they really didn't like him. And, and he said to them, you've got to record something. Not only that, you've got to record something that sounds like your first album. Because your second album did rubbish. No one <laughs> bought it. You've got to re- go back to the original sound. And they were like, no, no, we don't want to do that. So what did they do? They took their revenge. They did two things. They recorded what was allegedly a... Uh, deliberately bad record mm-hmm. it was fully instrumental there were no vocals in it or anyone uh, no vocals in it or anything uh, because they thought people would be less likely to buy it and the other thing they did which is petty but brilliant is they made it uh, they made the track listing an acrostic is that what you call it where the first letter of each thing uh, yeah. spells out <laughs> Fuck Burkett. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Brilliant. That's good revenge. I like that. Um, yeah. Did it work out revenge. for them though? Dunno really, because after they left One Little Indian, they made one independent album in nineteen ninety eight. And after that they did nothing at all. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? When you stick it to the man, often you realise I rely on the man <laughs> for my income. <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of other people that can do what I do <laughs> we've massively overrun so I'll try and be quick but The Last of Us 2 we mentioned The Last of Us 1 last week excellent video game Last of Us 2 the sequel is a story of revenge against revenge it's someone has taken revenge on someone I won't spoil it too revenge much squared. and the whole game you're seeking revenge for that act of revenge vicious <laughs> circle yeah Long story short, revenge is not the best idea. And that's all we've got time for. As I say, we've overrun massively, but that was one of our famous in-depth episodes. Depending on the uh, feedback from these episodes, Hmm. maybe we'll never do them again. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll never do an episode again. Um, So do you want to do favourite art of the day or...? Moby Dick, 2010, <laughs> straight to DVD. Oh. Ah. Watch it to laugh for a little bit, but yeah. then gouge your eyes out afterwards. <laughs> never watch everything again. Liam? Uh, get Cape, Wear Cape Fly. Yeah. Sam Duckworth. All right. Um, I like him. I think he's good. All right. Listen to that. And my one has to be Moby Dick, doesn't it? Because Which that was to? my advice to Ahab. The American or the we English censored one? <laughs> yeah. Read the English censored one so that you end it going, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't understand this. Uh, that's all we've got time for. Thank you for listening to us waffle on about Moby Dick. The lesson being, don't be, be a, a Moby, Moby Dickhead. Dickhead. Check the episode notes or agonyartpodcast.com to find links to all the media we mentioned today and for a link to the Agony Art Spotify playlist where you can listen to all the songs. If you have a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve, you can reach us on our group Instagram and Twitter accounts at Agony Art Podcast or on the submissions page on our website. I would like to thank our resident Agony Ants for their contributions. Thanks, Liam. Thanks, Carl. Thank you. Thank you. 
And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more problems to muddle our way through and more entertainment for you to check out. See you later. Lois. Good <laughs> But I'd suggest keep it light Cause their advice can't be shite And they won't be held liable Oh no, not at all, not here at Agony R. Agony R.